Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince. We are here to talk about the DC comics that were released on January 25th, 2017. If you haven't read those comics yet, pause the podcast, read them, and then come back and join us for the spoilery, spoilery goodness. So we're going to start with the, uh, I think the book we've all been waiting for, for quite some time now, The Commandy Challenge Number 1. This issue featured pieces written by Dan DiDio and Dan Abnett, and pieces illustrated by Keith Giffen and Dale Eaglesham. Um, Zach, you were very excited to talk about this book, so why don't you start us off? What did you okay. think of this? When this was announced, I kind of, I, I was a little apathetic because I thought this is going to be just kind of like a, like a vanity project that's not really going to, you know, just having like the, the rotating creative team, it's not really going to go anywhere. The quality will fluctuate. I don't, I didn't think it was what I wanted after reading the first issue. This is like everything I wanted. <laughs> um, and I am so excited for this book. Um, I think that this is going to be um, one of the best like celebrations of, of Jack Kirby and his contributions to, to DC. Um, and just the tone of this first issue, I thought was terrific. I thought both creative teams just really like hit the ground running and just, oh, I loved it. Yeah, I uh, I would echo everything Zach said. Um, I think, I think, you know, we can rightfully get cynical a lot about corporate comics. And I know they're going to make money on this, and, and that's the goal and everything. But I really do feel like for everybody involved, especially having seen the first issue that you know contains the essentially two stories from two sets of creators, um, this is really a labor of love. I mean, you can tell that they love jack kirby's work and they love these characters and they love getting to play in this world and you can tell it from the content of the issue you can tell it from didio's uh, back matter that this is something that you know they they, they want to do to honor kirby and you know it's not i mean let's be let's be real they're doing this with Commandy, the last boy on earth like that is not going to sell on its name alone necessarily to a widespread audience you know it's gonna right. it's gonna sell to people that appreciate the history of comics for sure but like that's that's how you can tell it's a labor of love you know because they could have done a quote-unquote challenge book with any of their properties um and i just think you know using this just shows how much well, Dan DiDio says it in the back when he says, you know, we've had so many people that wanted to write Commandy that, you know, the only thing that made sense was to let everybody write and draw Commandy, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and I, I think it turned out really – this is quite a start. I mean, it's the, – the way that it begins and the way that it ends is sort of exactly like a, you know, DC Kirby era book. I mean, it feels so right. Like, it, it, they really got this right. 
Yes, they did. A um, couple of things I want to say. I find it interesting. Like Sometimes I just think that Marvel has their head so far up their own ass, they don't know what way is up anymore. Oh, man. Because, Shots fired. No, because here's why, all right? With the exception of Darkseid, there is no Kirby DC creation that even comes within a hair's breadth of being as important to the overall DC universe as almost any of Kirby's Marvel creations come. Can you can we agree on that? Oh, definitely. And it would be so easy for Kirby's 100th birthday for Marvel to say this is the year we celebrate Jack and you know the king and 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 all of the things we all know it would be lip service because we know that that Marvel and Kirby have a terrible relationship or had a terrible relationship but you know but it just seems like the perfect opportunity for them to look like the good guy and to really honor Kirby and his and his work and they're not doing that as far as I think they're doing a couple of variant cover months based on Kirby creators creations but this is something that I mean, the term labor of love has been thrown around a lot so far this podcast, but it clearly is. It's an original, it's a fun concept with a character that means a lot to hardcore comics fans, but means nothing to the general public. This is something that is just pure, unfiltered comic joy in, uh, in, in 30-something pages. It was, it was so much fun to read. It was, you could just see how much fun everybody's having on the page as the book is happening. It's, um, man. Yeah, and it, it doesn't hurt that this is some of, like, each of these creators, this is some of their, like, finest work. Yeah. I love Keith Giffen's art when he's aping Kirby. Yes, Giffen doing Kirby is one of my, like, favorite things at yeah. DC. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. I also love the inclusion of the back matter where each month the prior writers, uh, the, pri- the the writer of the prior month story will tell you how he would he or she would have gotten out of the jam that Commandy finds himself in at the end of each issue. Mm-hmm. I think that's so great. Yeah. I think that's so fun. Everything about this is just... Like, this... This would be unimaginable in the throes of the New 52. Yeah. Just absolutely unimaginable. To have DC listen to their their fans and listen to their love of comics and not worry about being edgy or different, but celebrating its past. Yeah. That, that's totally unthinkable three or four years ago. Well, and just, just think... Um... You know, we we know that there were pitches for Commandy thrown for the new Fifty Two. Paul Pope and, had one. Yep. Well, that one I would have loved to see. Me too. But, but I'm sure there were some from creators that we wouldn't necessarily have wanted to see do an ongoing Commandy book in the new Fifty Two. Right. Imagine how that would have been. I mean, Omac is is one of those that turned out. I mean, I really liked that book. You know. Yeah, it was um, great. <laughs> that's that's lightning in a bottle. Like, imagine if it would have went wrong. Um. That like forever people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, so so the fact that they held off from greenlighting any of those, and they came up with this instead, is like a minor miracle to me. 
And it had to have been planned. I mean, it says a couple of years in the back matter, but this had to have taken a ton of planning because really the second creative team couldn't start the issue until the first creative team at least turned in a script. You know, so it, this isn't like a regular series where you can get somebody started now and then a year from now, as long as they stay on pace, everything's good. Like, so many folks had to stay on pace for this to work. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, I don't want to, like, get ahead, but, like, the, the creative teams that they have lined up on this are just incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean... Oh, this is... This is a treat. It is. I hope we um I hope every month we're as pleased as we are this month. Well, next month we have Pete Tomasi and Neil Adams. Which so. is going oh, to be man. so crazy. <laughs> but see, I'm excited for for pairings like that. Yeah. I can't wait for the Tom King Kevin Eastman issue in a few months. Yes. Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> I mean that's that's gonna be uh, <laughs> it's gonna be insane. Oh uh, yeah, I just can't wait for everyone to just go nuts. Are you and... the boy? I'm the boy. The last boy. The last boy. The last boy on Earth. Earth. <laughs> Earth. The boy. Earth. He boy. stole it. The Earth. Tiger. <laughs> boy. Tiger. Boy. <laughs> oh my. Oh boy, all right. Uh, well, at least we've set ourselves up. It's got to be better than that. So. <laughs> very, very true. Um, all right, anything else to say about this uh, this glorious comic? DC's killing it, guys. Just in, in, I mean, not, you know, there's always some stinkers, but like this, Young Animal, Wildstorm, Superman. Yeah. 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 Comics are good again. They're, good. Yeah. <laughs> They're back. They're back. They're good again. Yeah. <laughs> Do it, Vince. Oh. There we go. All right. Spe- uh, speaking of stinkers, let's get to Odyssey of the Amazons number one. Um, yeah. Let's let me get the creative team out first before we uh, before we shit too much all over this book. Uh, this was written by uh, Kevin. How are we gonna pronounce this, boys? Graveau. Graveau. Maybe Graveau. Graveau. We'll go Graveau. Kevin Graveau, illustrated by Ryan Benjamin, and this is exactly the type of book I think all of us would say we would have wanted. Yeah. You know, like, hey, it's a book about the Amazons before Wonder Woman. It's a, it's kind of an origin story. That's a really fun idea. Let's, uh, let, let's get a book like that. And then we got a book like that, and it's uh, super boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's about, you know, five or six pages too long, maybe. Um, it's... Uh, the the cast is um unremarkable it's a, yeah it's a very large cast of characters that are not fleshed out very well yeah i had a tough time like defining anyone's personality i mean there's exactly. one there's one or two here that you can but other than that it's like 
it's a, I, it's very much you know you okay here's the here's the african character and here's the the you know asian samurai character and and i get what they're doing they're showing that like amazons are are like very diverse and built like it's not just amazonians that we typically think of they're pulling these immortal you know warriors from all over the world which is like a really cool concept i like that that is the one thing about this issue that i did really like i i appreciated that yeah, yeah that's, that's like a, that's, a really great that's a idea. fun concept but they're kind of like they're doing that in lieu of like and i mean this characters. is the first issue but yeah exactly yeah developing characters which this is just the first issue but um like a lot of characters died in this issue and I don't actually like know if they were characters that played roles in the in the issue or if I was like supposed to care about those deaths or you know, like yeah. it's hard to tell. Like who were the red shirts and who are the who's the main cast and who am I supposed to care about here? Can I uh can I hearken back to, to Kirby for a second? Sure. Yeah. So when I opened up this book and i read like the first couple pages i was like okay i'm ready for this this looks and sounds like the tales of asgard backups in the old uh lee and kirby thor issues and i don't know if you guys have ever read those but there was the ongoing thor story where um you know it was it was between him and um doctor whatever his name blake uh-huh. you know it, it, that was kind of like the Earth story or whatever, and then they would have these backups, which were by far the better half of every one of these issues, where they would tell you tales of Asgard, and most of the time it would be about Loki and Thor, but sometimes not. You know, it would be about the extended cast, but it was all about their adventures in Asgard over the years, and those are such great backups. Like I think if anybody wants to go back and read Lee and Kirby Thor, they might as well just read those backups and they'll get everything they need. And they're awesome because not only is it Kirby, like, going wild with Asgardian imagery, you know, but they, 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 they take that idea and, they, and Kirby takes it to, like, the, the, the maximum of, like, weird Kirby scale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I opened up this comic, I thought, okay, this is, a, this is very much setting up to be, like, a Tales of Themyscira type thing if it can if it can do the same thing that those Tales of Asgard backups did. I'm going to love this. And then it was just flat the whole way through. I mean, there were no, there, there weren't really peaks and valleys there. It's not like, like if they're going to do a comic like this, I would love for them to get weird with it, you know? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Uh, instead, this was, you know, extremely rote. I thought, you know, by, you know, not offensively bad just as you said it's boring you know it's um they, they're not doing much with the concept at this point well it's it's funny that you mentioned um you know thinking back to to those issues of thor what it reminded me of is and i've referenced this experience on the podcast a number of times as a kid going to kmart and getting the packs of comics where you couldn't see all the comics that were in your package so <laughs> you get like you know you would see the front and the back of it and there'd always be like the Nam in the middle or something, oh, but or I remember specifically getting some like Warlord comics in a DC package, 
and the font made it hard to read as a little kid and i i really didn't care about this like weird you know barbarian conan thing when i was a kid and i just remember thinking like oh i i want i'm reading this because it's one of the four comics i got this week and i have to be happy about that but there's just there was nothing in it like for young brian to care about and as I was reading this, I was like, oh, man, Young Brian wouldn't have made it a page into this comic because it's the same thing. It's the overly stylized lettering. It's the characters that you can't really distinguish from first glance because nobody is developed all that well besides their race. And it was just uh, – it, 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 it was a real disappointment. I was very much looking forward to this comic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't great. I'll give a I'll give a second issue a shot. Yeah, but after that, I might I might Wilkerson this. <laughs> um, speaking of those like packs of comics, though, Brian, have you seen that Walmart's have started selling those again with Rebirth books? Have they really? Yeah, I I went in there. Um, I like don't go in there very often anymore because I just don't have a, a huge need to, but. And hopefully, um, because you support workers' rights to unionize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not 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 political. I worked at I worked at Walmart in high school, and it <laughs> it was an experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, like near the like checkout areas, they have these like packs of I think they're they're three rebirth books for like five dollars. See, that is gateway to comics, though. Yeah, like you know, mom trying to check out, kids being a brat. She picks up the comics and it keeps them quiet, and then you get a reader for life. Yeah, I am literally I, proof of that. <laughs> that's how I got into comics. My my local grocery store had one comic book that they got every month, and it was Amazing Spider-Man. And my first comic ever was right in the middle of the Clone Saga. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, had no idea what was going on, but I loved it. <laughs> it's a miracle you're still here. <laughs> uh, um. It's actually clone Vince. It's not the real one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yep. The real Vince is uh, like a Packers beat reporter someplace. <laughs> well, I guess in Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't know where else there are Packers beat reporters. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the finale of Justice League versus Suicide Squad, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Howard Porter. Um. So, what did you guys think? Did did did, did the uh, did the crossover stick the landing here? Uh, <laughs> I would say, yeah, yeah. Vince? I think so. I think so too, for sure. Um, but the the story has kind of been the same all throughout. This isn't. This is as good as I can expect an event comic to be. Um, when I, when I think of event comics that really surprised me at how great they are, I think of like Morrison's Final Crisis, you know. Yep. Um, when I think of event comics that are really bad, I think about like you know Civil War, Civil War Two, you know. This is like the inoffensive crossover event comic, um, right at the top of the bell curve, you know. Like yeah. this is the. This is what they should be on average. Um, there's nothing in here that's extremely mind-blowing, but it's been fun for six issues, and uh, the characters all, you know, no no characters were sacrificed for the sake of 
having a controversial story. No characters were harmed in the making of this crossover. There you go. Thanks. Um, and uh, and it sets up a bunch of fun little threads for the universe going forward. So I, it, it does all the things that an event book should do. And even though it didn't blow me away, like, I don't feel like it wasted any time and it didn't waste my time. So. Yeah, I'll yeah. agree with all of that. I, I think that there were some very fun moments. I think that it did the things it had to do. It's, to me, like when, going into it, you had to get Lobo and Killer Frost to places where it made sense for them to be part of the Justice League of America. Those two characters in particular needed to have some rehabilitation done to them. It did that. It told a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, but has enough threads that can be picked up by other writers or stories in the future, and it did that. It, um, you know, it 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 capitalized on the popularity of Suicide Squad without bringing the book down to being this just like gross, lowest common denominator fare. <laughs> you know, it worked. Yeah. And there's something to be said, like, granted, there's the concession that it had a rotating artist team, but it came out in a month and a half, whereas it looks like from Civil War Zero to the last issue was seven months. Yeah. You know, so. And that was and that was an on time Marvel event. (laughs) You know, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Boy, we're ragging on Marvel a lot today. We are. We are the DC3 cast. That's right, and they do deserve it this time around. Um, And all the art was was pretty good. I mean, you know, all the artists were were from DC's stable of regular sort of uh, big deal artists, and I think they were all doing really good work. Like like this Howard Porter issue – I mean, he it looks completely different from his work when he was drawing Morrison's Justice League. Uh-huh. And I love what he's evolved into. It's this, like, weirdly, weirdly, like, scratchy, angular style. But, yeah. like, super detailed and, like, well-proportioned and, and really interesting. And I, 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 I'm glad he's on a book that I care to read. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Are you saying you're not reading Scooby Apocalypse monthly? I, I I have read enough of Scooby Apocalypse to know that that I'm done with that. <laughs> but uh, um, one one thing I want to talk about with it, taking this event as a whole is if you would have told me that two of the characters out of this, and you already kind of mentioned this, Brian, but if you would have told me that two of the characters that I would have been most invested in throughout these six issues would have been Killer Frost and Lobo, I would have told you you're fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but those, like, anytime those two characters showed up, I was interested in what was going on. I think they were handled extremely well, and we'll get to more about Killer Frost when we talk about that one shot, but man, they they, they really made a concerted effort to make those two matter, and they nailed it. Yeah. Um, I I will say this about the art. I did enjoy, I think every artist they got on the book was, you know, did good work. And I think they did a good job of picking people who were relatively simpatico with each other. 
So you weren't getting like uh, Michael Jannon and then uh, and then Howard Porter. You know what I mean? Like everybody was kind of of a of a similar, if not aesthetic, their work played well together. We'll put it that way. Um, yeah, I would I would say that Porter is maybe the closest thing to an outlier that we actually have in terms of style. Yeah. But what I'll say is I would still have preferred it to be just a single artist. But that's just that's the way I like to read comics. So you know, I <laughs> I recognize that's not feasible all the time, especially with an event book in 2017, but I would have rathered, you know, one artist on the book, but I'm I'm perfectly happy with what we got as well. Uh, any closing thoughts? Oh, we should probably go through the end of the issue for all the teasers that were thrown yeah, out there. Yeah, there were Definitely. a lot of teasers. Uh, so we got, um, we got you know, the hunt is on for Saturn Girl. I love that. Oh, I can't it, wait for that. Yeah, and so it sounds like the first bit of that may be in the Bad Girl annual. Yes, and then it's going to be in the Supergirl Monthly. Right. They've announced yeah. that, yeah. yeah. But what does she say? Something about I'll have to do with five? Yeah. So I think that's a Fatal Five reference. Oh. Okay, that's fun. I, yeah, I wasn't I sure if they were that's already... The, that's the name of her team Okay. Um, that she's on. I wasn't sure if, if it was if it was meaning she already had five Legionnaires. No, I think Zach is, I think Zach is right, and I can't believe he pulled that. Oh, my God. Zach, you are the MVP. <laughs> Every week say. he is. Every week yeah, he is, man. Really, really. We're scum, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, are, we are human scum. No, I'm no. just a legion, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're totally right, because that's, what, Emerald Empress? Um, um, yeah, so gosh, I don't even know the, the team. Um, it's um, the, I know the guy with the axe, the Persuader yep. is his name. That's the only other one that I really know. The guy with, like, the brain. Yeah, I think that's uh, Krang. Krang. Validus, maybe? It's Krang, guys. Krang? Yeah. <laughs> Valid- Validus? Is that what you said? I think that's his name. I don't I'm on the Wikipedia page but... right now. Oh, okay. Um, but it doesn't, it, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's him. And then there's two other ones, um, Mono and Thayrock. Okay. Yeah, um, don't ring a bell, but. Yeah, no. But does. It's not, it's not the most, um, uh, you know, mainstream of, of supervillain teams. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, uh, oh, man. That's really exciting. I'm more excited now that you pulled that, Zach. Because I was kind of thinking the same thing, like, oh, she's going to have her own, you know, she's going to, like, assemble her own group. But I never, I forgot about the Fatal Five. That's totally what she's talking about. Guys, Legion is coming back. Yeah. Let's just hope it's not in the hands of Dan Jurgens and Keith Giffen. <laughs> oh, it can't be, right? It Don't say be. that. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Uh, so what are the other teasers we have here? Um, we have... Johnny Sorrows was also about the society. But, uh, no, that was the uh, Justice Society, I think. Yes, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, which makes not. sense. I believe Johnny Sorrow did debut as a Justice Society villain. I could okay. be wrong about that, but I think that is the case. Um, all right, so we got that. Then we have... Um... There's a... There's a... All of the like kind of original Suicide Squad members get little teasers, um, right? But none of them really of, have. Yeah. Too Which much like of... I think Doctor Polaris is set to show up in Green Lantern soon. That makes and sense. We'll talk about Rustum here in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. 
and then maybe something with Eclipso. Yeah, the Eclipso Diamond fell, and this uh, young little scamp is reaching for it. New Shadow Pact? Ooh. Ooh. Well, that's oh what I want. That's what I want more than almost anything, Zach. <laughs> and then uh, the the final tease of the issue, which is, you know, about as cheesy of a tease as you can get. Yeah. But perfect comic storytelling is how – I want to get the exact dialogue here. Amanda, so um, Max is like, so when am I back in the squad, yo? And she said, your talents will be wasted in Task Force X, but you're perfect for Task Force XI, or 11, <laughs> if we're going to read it as a, uh, as a you know, Roman numeral there. Did Task Force X stand for 10 in any continuity? I don't believe so. I don't think so. So, so then a third it's way like a Weapon X thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A third way of reading that would be Task Force Task Force X1. Yeah. So it's or, either 11XI or X1. Or Chi. Like or that. Chi. <laughs> chi is sometimes spelled XI, as, as any Scrabble enthusiast will tell you. So, yep. uh. Or she's having a heart attack right in the middle <laughs> and saying, Task Force X. <laughs> the end. Yeah. So, make of that what you will. And, uh, I mean, I can only presume that that will be. In the pages of Suicide Squad. Yeah, I would think so. Um, what if it's in the pages of The Button? Of the Button. <laughs> the Button, sir. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it, every week we have to bring up The Button at least <laughs> once. So, uh, I, I will say that making Amanda Waller the big bad behind this event was, was interesting, but... Um, I don't know. It felt a little bit cheap to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we spent most liked of our, it. we spent most of our time with Max Lord and and Eclipso. So, um, you know, the fact that she was behind it all, you know, who cares? We didn't spend that much time on it. That's I fair. Think. Okay. When, when people talk about this, they're going to talk about it as a Max Lord event, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A Max Lord joint, if you will. Max Lord joint. Uh, that brings us to JLA Killer Frost Rebirth number one, um, written by Steve Orlando and Jody Hauser, right? She co-writes this as well? Because uh-huh. she was on the cover last week, but she did not co-write it, so I'm just double-checking the credits here. Yes, she did. And... Uh, Illustrated by uh, Mirka Andolfo. Andolf? Andolfo. Yeah, I said it right the first time. Yeah. I am the world's worst, like, spot pronouncer. <laughs> I can't pronounce anything on the first fly. Um, sound it out. Yeah, I know. But then I sound the and It's a dumb when I try and sound it out. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, this is kind of an epilogue to the event. Which, it's funny, because last week Vince said how he... He read the Justice League issue out of order, despite there being an editor's note. And <laughs> I read this out of order because I was looking for an editor's note, which didn't appear. Ooh. Um, but that's fine. This was another solid one-shot. Yeah. I mean, these have all been varying, varying degrees of good. And actually, for my money, I liked this one the most. Zach, what did you think? 
I don't think it was necessarily my favorite. I think that goes to the Atom. I think that one was still my favorite. Uh, but this one was really good. And it was, you know, kind of like riding off of that high from Justice League versus Suicide Squad with Killer Frost. Um, it worked as both like an epilogue to that and like, you know, the, a lead into JLA, which I guess all of these have kind of maybe supposed to have been. Um, but yeah, in terms of just... This was the most lead-in. Yeah, yes. I think so. Um, but, <clears throat> no, just in terms of, like, quality of, of, like, art and story, this was really good. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the Ray was actually my favorite of the bunch. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean this isn't a very good issue. I, uh, you know, Killer Frost is a character that I believe was created in the New 52, correct? Um, I at least this incarnation always been a this yeah this incarnation for sure um like the Caitlyn Snow version I don't think yeah I think the old Killer Frost was someone else and was like a a uh, Firestorm villain right Firestorm villain yeah. yep from the seventies yeah um it used to be Crystal Frost ah uh, oh and that... then Louise Lincoln. Was the second one. Okay, and now it's Caitlin Snow. Yeah. It's interesting, because Caitlin Snow was created in the New 52 as a villain, and then, like, you know, six months later, premiered on Arrow <laughs> as as a hero, or as a, not really a hero, just as a non-superpowered scientist, mm-hmm. you know, but who was clearly good. And it was just a very odd choice of, a, like, when they're looking for characters to add, it was odd that they chose that character. But that's Jeff Johns for you. Like, you know, I think Johns probably had this story in the back of his head for a while uh, in terms of making her into a a, a hero. Um, But this issue nicely did not walk us through the early stages of her career. (laughs) Um, It walked us through, like, the the in-between from the end of the event to the beginning of JLA. And the other stories all uniformly told the beginning of the of the hero's career. So I was glad to see it not do that. Which is, is nice because we did get her her origin in like that Villains Month! Like not that long ago. It feels like a hundred years ago. <laughs> it's a different world. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who wrote that. Was that Matt Kent? I want to say. No, Sterling Gates. I was going to say, it was nowhere near as uh, creative as a Matt Kent book would have been. <laughs> and I, I like Sterling Gates. That's not, that's not a knock on him. But um, but yeah. Uh, anything in particular? I thought the art was really nice on this. Yeah, I've been waiting for uh, Mirka and Dolfo to get uh, like a regular... Uh, a, a normal DC job. <laughs> that sounds. Yeah. Well. Get a um, job, Mirka. Yeah. Andolfo's art was on the um, many, many issues of the Marguerite Bennett Bombshells digital comic. And I've thought for a long time that all the artists on that digital comic should have regular DC gigs because they're they're also good. And I think this issue is is 
is proof that uh, that Mirka can hack it. You know, um, this is this is a really nice looking issue, um, and I I love the way they really put Killer Frost through the ringer here, um, in a way that 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 continues to make her seem like this tortured. Uh, sort of person between good and evil, you know? And, and I thought it was a really effective... The, the art was really effective in conveying that, too. I agree completely. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anything else to add about this? Uh, no, bring on JLA. So. When is that... How many weeks out is that? I'm trying to find that out right now. Not sure. It might be one week. Oh, really? February first? I don't know. Do you, want, do you want me to double check that? Well, Looks like February eighth. February eighth. Okay. Okay. So we have a week off. Oh, that's right. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a rebirth issue. So it's gonna be like, let's tell us all the stuff you already know. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Well, I hope. Uh, I don't know that. See now, this is a perfect opportunity for an for a rebirth issue to tell how the team comes together, mm-hmm. and then let the first issue be the team already doing stuff. I bet that's what it'll be. I hope so. You know, I, I, your theory, Brian, was that those old rebirth issues were conceived after uh, the writers had already started working on their rebirth books. Yes. Considering this is coming so late in the game, I would bet that this is the other way around, where they probably knew they were. Steve Orlando probably knew he was going to be starting with a rebirth issue, don't you think? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Not that you can't fault those other writers for writing them the way they did. Like, certainly, some a lot of those should have been better, but. But it would it makes sense that if they had to go back and write them, you know, that's what they would end up being. Yeah. I don't know if I ever got uh, a writer to confirm that off the record or not. I should yeah. I should I should try to do that. Get an, get an exclusive. Yeah, poke and prod around there. Yeah. See what they say. We'll break it on the DC three. We will. We've broken so much news so far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like the news that Doom Patrol is fucking awesome, <laughs> which is the next book we're going to talk about. Doom Patrol number four, written by Gerard Way, illustrated by Nick Darrington. Um, guys, 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 this is it's so, so good. good. It it makes me want to cry. It's so good. I said that before the show, but I'll, I'll say it on the show. I'll admit, I'll cry. <laughs> So, I have one question that is really inconsequential, but I have to ask it. Did you notice the the title of the issue? Um, if I did, I can't remember it. Now. It's I'm sorry, I'm late. Oh. oh, is that a reference to the fact that the book was delayed? It's gotta be. <laughs> Which is even better. That's really yeah. That's very funny. Yeah. It's actually funny. <laughs> I'm like a lot of comic humor, oh, especially man. a lot of comic title humor. I yeah. feel like yeah. I feel like. Did you um, notice all of the posters in the background? On yes, that page? yes. My favorite one was the uh, 
Cryptonomicon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, challenging the unknown. A Christ Atomic with, Knight. Yeah, Blue Devil with a with a pentagram. Yeah, Zeta Beam. Yeah. Dial Dial H for horror. Yep. Legion of Omac. <laughs> Reverse Thrash. <laughs> oh, I didn't see. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Command Z. Command Z. So good. Black yeah. Razor. Nicely done. Yeah. Yes, everything about it was great. Um. So yeah, this issue sort of begins the process of putting the gang together. There was I loved the sequence in the negative space. Oh, so good. <laughs> Where Robot Man's like, hey, what does he think? And they're like, oh, we're sorry. What do you think? We never really thought about this before. <laughs> I, that was that was great. I like, I mean, every week, every month, the Miles Calder section is great. I loved how this time it was Casey's, like, literally interacting with the camera that he's watching yeah. from in that um, slaughter unit robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Niles Calder, habitual snoop. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we get the... I kind of hope that never pays off. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then we get the big revelation that um, that Danny the Street is uh, has created Casey. Well, that we knew that last time. But I guess we, we, we know more details of it now, rather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we get a little bit more context for... The stuff in the in the first issue, um, with that kind of like weird fantasy world. Yeah. Um, the like castle. I also love that essentially the the little fug thing that I don't even know what we're calling that creature. Cassette player. Yeah, it is is Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> like it has a cassette player oh, in yes. its chest. It's a Teddy Ruxpin. Nice. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, everything about this issue, guys. Yeah, I I was so pumped when she got the the uniform back on and like they flew off in the cosmic van, yep. the a- ambulance. It's a very Which is like, Danny. Captain Marvel esque uniform. I feel like like the modern Carol Danvers uniform. Yeah. it has yeah. like the same color scheme and stripes. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get the impression that next issue or maybe two issues from now the whole gang's going to finally be together. Yeah. But, you know, they can go at whatever pace it wants. I don't... I agree. I liked seeing... uh, You saw Torminox, the villain, stopping on that little, like... (laughs) And what did he say? Like, back the... (laughs) That's it. Back the fuck up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Torminox is now in charge. And then, of course, Zach, you got to do the... uh, <laughs> the Bane's coloring corner for you. Practice pays off. Yeah. <laughs> Follow your dreams. They can take you to the stars. Yeah, it's a Bane coloring book, guys. For no good reason. I can think of a dozen good reasons. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that DC greenlit this. <laughs> I'm still convinced nobody's reading some of these books. In, in yeah. the editorial, I mean. <laughs> just do what you want, they say. Oh, they're just like, you want, 
you want what? <laughs> okay. Dan Adio. Just so perplexed. I love how small the little satellite is that Bane's trying to fix. <laughs> yeah. It's like this tiny little satellite that he's out there with the screwdriver. <laughs> they really should have had him, like, he's all hooked up and, and outside, like, they should have had him outside of the plane that he's using to steal that doctor and, like, <laughs> pump fake blood into him or whatever. <laughs> I wish one of these was Tom King naked Bane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they could actually show the junk because it's a uh, young animal. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. No matter which one you choose, well, the third one would just be silly because he's in space, and you know. Yeah. But the first two become so much creepier if it's naked Bane. <laughs> he's <laughs> the pizza nose hanging from something. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! I like how Bane in the in the in the um in the Baker one. Uh-huh. Bane almost looks like sort of like Baker fat. Like he's got yeah. a little bit of a gut <laughs> that he doesn't have in the in the other two. And he's wearing his wrestling mask as opposed to his uh Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His uh weird his uh Dark Knight Rises yeah. Vader mask. Yeah. Nice. Man, what a what a fun comic. Absolutely. Heartwarming. It truly does warm the heart. Uh, which brings us to, uh, we're going to go down alphabetically through the rest of the books for this uh, week. We start with Action Comics number 972. It feels like this is the 972nd issue that Dan Jurgens has written since Rebirth started, but it's not. Uh, Dan Jurgens wrote this, Steven Segovia did the art for it. And uh, this this issue had a couple of okay moments. Yeah, my, my hot take on this is that Lex Luthor was really good. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I'm surprised by that, but uh, but I yes, I do. I agree. Yeah. I, I will also say that um, Crisis Averted, Clark Kent's not part of Pizzagate and Metropolis. Well, we don't know that yet. That is fake, true. Fake news. That could have been, <laughs> uh, am... been what they saw in the... In the future, Lacall, yeah. <laughs> Lacall, and Zade are are in on the ring, and so they're happy. Like, oh, he, oh, he's part of our pizza gate. He's the guy behind this. So, Chinese food gate. We uh, we can't we can't kill him now because you know we enjoy all of the uh, benefits. Of- we've already infiltrated Chow Queen. We have <laughs> to uh, make sure that our our ruse carries on. Oh boy. Yeah. Um. Can I just say? Can I talk about the one really dumb thing about this issue before we move on? The entire fake Clark Kent thing? Well, yeah. But, like, the thing that is so dumb, I can't even believe it. Okay. They spend, like, the first half of the issue, Lacall and Zaid do, talking about how Luthor is our only target. So we're going to ignore you, Superman. And then, like, literally Superman's... And Lex's plan for winning in the end is splitting them up, going to different places so that they would have to split up. Well, if you already established that Luthor was their only target, <laughs> why did they split up? It makes no sense. It's one of those like super villain things that makes no sense. Like, well, we need to figure out some way to, you know, it's the bond. It's the bond villain explaining what they're going to do and then ultimately dying because 
they wasted time. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like I did think I I always love. And I know Zach is a mark for this too. When a character like looks into the future of the universe to see something, and yeah, two of those this week, baby. Effect, yeah, we did. <laughs> and it affects the story, you know. And then uh, and then yeah, Luthor. Luthor is good, and um, the the only thing I'm I'm actually now worried that they're gonna go back on this at some point and be like and have him do like something truly awful in the future. You mean like be dark side? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> or like what what I'm more can I tell you guys what I hope actually happens? What's that? I kind of hope that like down the road. Once Rebirth is pretty established and they move past the Watchmen stuff, maybe, like, one of their next end games to the New 52 being over is that uh, the original Lex Luthor from, like, the pre-Flashpoint, you find out that somehow he survived, too. And then, so then you have an actually evil Luthor um, to, to actually use as a villain. I actually hope it becomes more convoluted now. <laughs> yeah. Is what I'm saying. Like how great would it be is if like two years down the road after Watchmen after they're done with that, like the next big event is pre Flashpoint Luthor bringing like the Legion of Superheroes or supervillains oh, back or something. Let's make it even more convoluted. What if they get like the pre Flashpoint Luthor and Alexander Luthor? <laughs> from like crisis and then they have the three luthers versus the three jokers and <laughs> is my and the whole thing just goes off the rails molto bane <laughs> is mazahas there <laughs> the uh, the alexander yes. luther baby yes. from forever yes. evil okay cool yes for sure <laughs> all right so let's talk a little bit about this vision oh, of the you know future what? hey that's a good point though brian really quick before we sure. move on Maybe that's what this, like, you know, we still get the dark side Luther at the end here. I wonder if that maybe is like a red herring again, gonna, like, eventually we're gonna get like the baby dark side thing again. Mm. And that was like the son of a Luther. Wasn't that, didn't we last see that baby in, uh, was it Universe Rebirth number one? Uh, did we? Yeah, no. Mm. I can't or remember. the end like, of. It was definitely at the end of or the end of Dark Side War, maybe. Yeah, end of Dark Side War. I can't remember if he showed up in Rebirth. I kind of don't think so. Oh man! All right, so, so let's go through these visions that we see for Superman. We see a, a fake Clark just looking creepy in his high school sweatshirt. <laughs> we see Dark Side Luthor with Superman's holding a uh, mother box. We see John. And something fast is running past him. So I'm wondering if that's did you did you guys read the solicits for Superman coming up? Yeah, John I, I like glanced to them. John apparently loses starts losing his powers at some point. Uh huh. I wonder if that has anything to do with that. Okay, that's interesting. We get the cyborg Superman. We get Mister Oz, mm -hmm. which which by the way. I had to say that word out of context this week, or that title out of context, and it's the dumbest t character name. Mr. Oz. Mr. Oz, yeah. Mr. Oz. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like 
like a mashup of of HBO shows from the late nineties. Yeah, Mr. Yep. Show and Oz. Yep. Oh. And then, and then who was that last image there? That is a good question. At first, I thought it was what's this fuck from the uh, <laughs> the Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns. run. Yeah. Um, what was his name? Um, Ulysses. Ulysses. Yeah. Yeah. I, Maybe that's, that's who I thought it was. Yeah, he's got to come back at some point. Yeah, he was a really boring character. He was. <laughs> hey, let's make Superman, but strip him of all interesting qualities. Okay. Let's make Super Superman, but he's um, but bad, but not good. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm happy that next month's issue deals with the end of Clark Kent because yeah. I hate that stupid yeah, character. Right. I'll yeah. believe it when I see it. Yeah. He's going to outlive all of us. <laughs> Jurgens? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, man. Our kids are, I guess, not even our, our like, great-grandkids one day are reading Action Comics 2000, and there's still this, like, yeah. fake, it's, like, weird doppelganger Clark Kent. Yeah, exactly. Like, When's it going to end? Yep. All right, that brings us to Batgirl, number seven, The Son of the Penguin, part one, written by Hope Larson, illustrated by Chris Wildgoose. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know, it's a funny name. It is. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you keep laughing and be the bad guy on this one. <laughs> in a giggly mood right now. <laughs> uh, I really like this issue, guys. Yeah. This this was like masterfully done. I thought it it took a really nice position in the uh, like Burnside is getting gentrified discussion that we saw even starting like last last uh, volume of the book that was already starting. You know, it took it to a nice interesting place. It gave a reason for that. It made the um, the aforementioned son of the penguin a an interesting character, a character that you want to learn more about immediately. Yeah. Yes, instantaneously. Um, it was just so much fun. The phone call between Dick and Babs. Oh man, per- perfect. I mean, I know the the DC three, the DC three ships those two. I mean, like, yeah, like none other. And so to have that, like, t- you know. Babs is going on a date with with Ethan Cobblepot. So who does she call? <laughs> Dick, of course. You know, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's like you know that brings out the shipper in me, and that makes me feel terrible. But, um, but it is what it is. Yeah, what this book does really well is something that I think was so lost in so much of the New Fifty Two, and I know that we we that's a theme that we we're frequently talking about, but the idea that these characters are really good people. And like Barbara Gordon gets into being a li- librarian because she wants to help information like be free to people who can't afford it. And then she sees something about teaching kids code and she's all about doing that. She's a good person. And I like that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm sick of dark antiheroes. Yep. And you know, that's that I got to believe that that's Hope Larson because that's totally that that's what she brings to the table, you know? Yeah. Um, can, can I, can I do my joke here? Sure. So, <laughs> so one of the major plot points of this issue is that, uh, there, there's an app that a company has developed 
to take care of the, of homeless people, essentially you're swiping left on the homeless. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but I would swipe right on Ethan Cobblepot, let me tell you that. Ooh. He's hot. <laughs> um you know what I thought of when I when I saw this as as Simpsons fans, you guys will hopefully get this. When I saw the app, I thought of in the um uh what's his name? I'm I'm losing all my Simpsons credibility here. A Hank Scorpio in the Hank Scorpio like video oh, that he shows Homer. Hank, Hank Scorpio. Hank Scorpio. When when he uh, when he shows the homeless guy turn into a mailbox or a garbage can, <laughs> whatever it was, like that's that's instantly what I thought of. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I also I I laughed out loud while reading this issue when Babs orders a vodka with a splash of crayon and the bartender says one white girl coming up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was really good. Very, very funny. Uh, this this book's just very impressive. It's great. It's I'm I'm I'm, I'm obviously was... sad that Raphael Albuquerque left, but I I think Chris Wild Goose's art's really great too. So do I. Wild Goose is good. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with his stuff before this. I, I don't believe think I was either. Yeah. Okay, that brings us to Batman Beyond number four. And uh, I'm just going to come out and say it, guys. I, I Wilkerson this book. <laughs> Did you both Wilkerson it? Yep. Okay. So so do you want me to Harley Quinn you guys through Yes, this? please. Okay, well, first of you all. Might, you might be doing that again in a few minutes, just, just putting that out there. Okay, yep, yep. Blue Beetle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. First of all, I want to say, before I talk about the plot at all, uh, Pete Woods does the art on this. Uh-huh. And I don't know about you guys, but I like Pete Woods and Yeah, I miss Pete I, Woods. I miss when he was like like he was doing some of that new Krypton stuff that I liked so much. Ooh, yeah. I wish wasn't he, he was with doing... Paul, wasn't he with Paul Cornell on the Lex yep. Luthor action comics? I think he was on on some of if not the majority of those. I think he was like the main guy on that. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. So anyway, you know, Terry is dressed up as a member of the Jokers, right? Because he tried to infiltrate the Jokers, okay? He um, ends up fi- – because, you know, they're, like, in the same area as Bruce as the Joker that they're trying to revive, you know? Right. So he ends up finding a new developmental Batman Beyond suit – that looks a lot like the one that started out the series anyway. Like it's got the weird red eyes and I don't know. There's not much new about it, but Jurgens Jurgens does a couple scenes where he's like testing out some of the new abilities of the suit and it's filled with your like typical Jurgens turgid Shway. descriptions of things. Yeah. And, um, so then, then basically Terry reveals himself as, uh, Batman Beyond, and he's no longer in disguise as the as part of the Joker gang. So then he has to like beat a bunch of them up, right? And then at the end of the issue, they're like moving Bruce away from the that hospital in uh, a Joker plane. Basically, it looks like the Bat plane, but it's Joker themed. And Terry like busts into where Bruce was and. <laughs> somehow like 
like on the computer screen, they've got Bruce Wayne's thumbprint, and that proves that the person that was in that bed is is Bruce Wayne. Like, I don't know why they would leave that up on the computer for him to find, but um, but they do. And so, like, the final page is Terry realizing that the guy who was Joker in that bed is Bruce Wayne. So basically, Terry learns what we all knew from last month, and that's where the issue ends. Um, it wasn't very good. But, it's always but, good to repeat a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. That is such a – oh, that is a Jurgens thing. That is a Jurgens thing. Um, but Pete Wood's art looked really good, and I wish he was doing something good. So anyway – don't 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 read Batman Beyond. Free free Batman Beyond from Dan Jurgens, please. Yes. You can keep Bernard Chang and or Pete Woods on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um All right, Vince, you're at it again. Blue Beetle number five. <laughs> okay, neither, neither of you In all honesty, I wanted to read this one, but I was getting short on time and I knew I could imitate the bickering without having read an issue uh, a page of the issue. Uh-huh. So I will okay. go back and read this. I will. Big big spoiler out of the way though. First is is school out just for the summer or is it forever? <laughs> uh, school's out for I can't think of anything funny. So um, yeah, that's okay. Mine wasn't funny either, but <laughs> no, that's all was. I had to contribute to this book. That was very good. Um. So we, we, we open up in uh, Jaime's mother's uh, clinic, and she's taking care of a couple of young supers. One of them looks to be a Native American um, speedster, I guess. Uh, I don't have her name written down here or anything. The other one is a cowboy-themed <laughs> young man who can, like, <laughs> and like create arrows with his mind or something. He's so, like, so he's assembling well, cool power. He's assembling the uh, the super village people. <laughs> we have the Native American and the cowboy. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Cool. Yep. yep. He's he's trying to assemble a team that can reach the levels of um, subtle racism that <laughs> Justice League International had. I mean, to be fair. The village people are probably the most recent reference Keith Giffen has, so <laughs> shouldn't be too surprising. He's an old yeah. man. Yeah, that's right. No, but but uh, but you know, of course, of course, there's banter between these characters. Um, lots of "oh, you're not helping" type type things. Nice so, arrows. Yeah, exactly. they're from my mind. I couldn't tell. You know, shit like that. <laughs> Got anything else up there? Didn't yeah. think so. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, they run into um, what's his name, Mordecai. Mordecai's a character we've seen before, right? Sure. He's this like big is green. He... Yeah, I think so. He's like a big green knight. Actually, wasn't is he, he part of? Wasn't he part of the um, the Fatal Five? No, I don't think so. Ah, uh, hold on, hold on. Are you sure? He wasn't I... on the list that I read. Uh, Unless he was one of the reserve members. He is a reserve member of the Fatal Five. I just looked it up. Is he really? He is, really? Yep, yep wow. totally. That's He's a just... nice poll. Oh, man. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just pulled that out of my butt. See, that if you would have said, that's funny because you named a bunch of people from the Fatal Five that I couldn't remember. Uh-huh. But if you, if you would have said Mordecai, I would have been like, yup. <laughs> <laughs> so I must have read a, a Fatal Five story that included him in it. 
and I remember that now. Anyway, he's this like hulking green. He's he wearing was, like armor. He looks like a green beetle. He looks yeah, like Parallax. Yeah. If yeah, Blue Beetle sure. became Parallax. There you go. Yep. Yep. So anyway, they, they get into a fight with Mordecai. Blue Beetle has to intervene, of course, because he's attacking uh, uh, Jaime's mother and the, her patients. So, you know, he intervenes, fight scene, banter, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, um, like, at one point in the fight, Jaime gets, like, really upset that he went after Jaime's mom. And he, like, basically goes nuclear and explodes and, like, destroys a building in the process. And so, like, in the aftermath, everyone's kind of like, whoa, what was that? You know, and Ted Cord's kind of like, uh, we need to talk about this, Jaime. So there's obviously some some new power or some uh, dangerous aspect of the power that they're not aware of yet or haven't explored yet. And so that's kind of the cliffhanger that the issue ends on. Um, you do see a quick shot of uh, Dr. Fate conjuring up a portal and flying through a portal for some reason, but it's it's unclear where exactly he's going. So it's, it's just, kind of, just kind of, yeah, Chinese food. He's meeting fake Clark Kent for <laughs> quote unquote Chinese food. Yeah. Um, and that's it. This is uh, totally tangential, but I looked up a picture of Mordecai, like his previous incarnations. Uh-huh. He and he looks nothing like this. He doesn't have like a blue beetle armor. But Vince, you you will like appreciate this at least. He looks like basically it looks like the Johnny design for now. Oh no! It looks like the design for that that recent Spider-Man villain from uh, Secret Wars Regent was lifted oh. wholesale from Mordecai. Really? It's exactly the same. Oh, let me. I gotta. I gotta Google Here. this. Regent Marvel. Oh, you're right. Oh my God, you're right. The only thing that's different are the colors. Yeah. Holy cow. Well, anyway, I don't. Maybe this is supposed to be a different Mordecai then, but, but who knows? Who cares? No, yeah, who knows? Bad, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm book. sure. Like, look, <laughs> if if Giffen is naming a character from Legion, like it's it's Legion. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Because uh, like Giffen and Legion, like that's a stick. So you're right. Yeah. 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 Well, that. Excuse me. <clears throat> that, folks, brings us to Deathstroke number 11. And um, let's just pause for a second and acknowledge how crazy it is that DC allowed this comic to be published. Yeah. Now that we've paused, uh, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Dennis Cohen, with inks by Bill Sienkiewicz. And uh, this is a comic, guys. Yeah. Um, holy cow! Like, let's okay. Let's just talk about the art for a second. Yes. That's quite a team. Yes, it is. Um, Cohen and, and Sinkevich and and some of their best work in years because I th- I feel like we've seen them in maybe Convergence. Yeah, that yeah, sounds about they right. Did, um, what did they do? They did like a Detective Comics, uh, or like a that's ba- right. Yeah, some Batman. It was uh. Yeah, was it Detective or was no, it No, I think that's 
Um, oh, maybe it was Detective, yeah. Because Legends of the Dark Knight was Larry Hama. Okay. But, but I think, actually, Hama might have just written that. I don't know. Well, they brought their A game to this issue. Um, holy cow. Yes, they did. It's a great-looking issue. Um, basically, to, just to give, like, a short summary of the issue, it's called it, the issue's called Chicago, right? I believe that's the title. Yes, it is. And it's all about, it centers around gun violence in Chicago and the various aspects of it and a specific case in general that happened on this particular night and how everyone thinks that, I mean, it's, this, it's really so complex that I can't like summarize it real easily, but everyone thinks that Deathstroke was hired to... Deathstroke was hired by the mothers of children hurt by gun violence to yeah. take out the people who killed their kids. Yeah, exactly. And it spirals out from there, and it's really, it's really much more complicated situation than that with, with a surprise ending. And I don't even know if I want to spoil it. No, I, I, I wouldn't. Um, but man, is it good. Um, it's really harrowing. It's really timely. I don't think it's ham-fisted or ham-handed. Um, there's a lot of layers to it, a lot of complexity to it. Uh, and the best part about it is that there, there's a lot of these issues where people try these like, um, like social they, issues, social or... issue thing, and they try to play both sides and, and are really like mealy mouthed about it. And this, this issue plays all the sides, plays all the angles, but it doesn't, it almost doesn't even a lot of times comics will say, well, this side's argument is this. And you know what? They're kind of right. And this side, but the other side thinks this and they're kind of right too. It, I felt reading this issue and I read it a couple times just to sort of process it all. It shows you all the different opinions and angles that, 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 you know, civilians, police, etc., the press could take to this situation and it doesn't pretend that any of them are right or wrong for a second. Right. You know, it doesn't give you any, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it it basically tells you this is as complicated an issue as it gets. And it, yeah. it, it doesn't try to solve anything. And actually, by, by the end of it, I mean, that's what makes it so, oh, I'm getting like tingles just thinking about it. Not only that, we got the creeper. In oh, the yeah. Middle, the... Just creeper. <laughs> I didn't even mention that. Yeah. And and you would think that dropping the creeper into an issue like this could be like, ooh, I, why did they do that? You know, but like, no, it's it's pretty well done. Yeah. Um, this is just, I mean, I feel like every couple of years there is a book that comes out that I think. I have to buy this in the collected edition because I have to just lend this out to people. And I, this is the book of Rebirth that I'm like, I have to give this to people, both who are big comic fans, but also folks who maybe are new to comics. There's just something for everybody here. It's so good. And this issue is totally unlike the 10 that came before it. Yeah. This could have been a one-shot, like, you know? Yeah. Like, just like a topical... You know, but oh, it's so good. And the last line of the issue 
is so cold and perfect. <laughs> yeah, and I and I've seen people misinterpret that. I think. Well, I'm not. E- I'm not even necessarily sure how to interpret it. Honestly, like, okay, you guys might have your your th- thoughts. I'm I'm really not sure. It just seemed to me like the uh, like it's a it's a non-answer in some ways. Uh-huh. But it's also the saying that, like, you know, there's just a um, – the only way to end gun violence is to kind of kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a really bleak uh, – a, a bleak uh, answer. Vince, did you take it differently than that? I took it – and I'm not – yeah, I took it differently, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I saw people – what I'm saying is I saw people say uh, that it was a very offensive line – to end this issue on and i didn't think that that i don't think that that's right at all like i think it's i it either shows the complexity of the situation or the way that i read it probably because this is the way i think is that all of these people who are pointing fingers are pointing fingers at the wrong problem oh, i wrong see what person. you're saying you know, yeah. yeah so get better aim you know yeah or or whatever it is uh, use better aim. I interpreted that as, you know, focus on the the real enemy, which is, again, that's also a complicated issue. But, um, but yeah, I don't think there's anything offensive about it. You know, I think, I think the fact that you can read it multiple ways just shows how smart of a writer, um, Christopher Priest is. Yeah. Oh man. If we, this would be like, if we could get him on here to discuss that, that would be. Um, I'll send an email tomorrow. <laughs> we'll oh see. Boy. We'll see. Uh, that brings us to Detective Comics number nine four nine, written by James Tennant the fourth and Marguerite Bennett, illustrated in gorgeous detail by Ben Oliver. And um, guys, another really great book this week. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Any, yeah. any arguments there? No, no. No. Argument. What a, it's a perfect setup for her own book too. Like, Absolutely. Like, but by the end of the issue, you know exactly what the, her book is going to be about, and kind of the mechanism for how it will work. Um. Yeah. Wow. It's great. Yeah. Um, ben so Oliver's artwork just... obviously is something we talk about a lot because we're all big fans of his. But he did some like next level shit in this issue. Yeah. Specifically, there's um, the sequence in the mud room where there's the multiple Batwomen flying around. I just think that was such a great sequence. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting, the kind of hints is something we're gonna see in the Flash, in a couple issues with sort of fighting multiple versions of somebody. But um, yeah, Ben Oliver is just so good. Yeah. There's nothing too surprising about this or about this sort of arc. You know, it didn't break too much new ground. But like you said, it set up the status quo for her series so well. And I don't think it needed to to be anything earth shattering. The character works. Yep. Any other uh, comments on the issue? No, I don't. I don't think so. Zach, anything else to add? 
now it's good. Hey, your volume dropped considerably. Sorry, I moved my thing. There we go. Okay. There we go. Is that better? Yeah, it's much better. Thank you. Um, okay. Well, that's that was a good comic. Uh, coming up next, we have Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 13, written by... <laughs> <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm waiting for it. Uh, written by Rob Venditti, illustrated by V. Ken Marion, who we saw earlier this year. The Zedarians are horny, is what I'm laughing uh, at. Okay. <laughs> uh, v. Ken Marion, who we saw on the Bloodlines miniseries earlier oh, wow. last year. Forgot that even happened already. Yeah, it did. Strap in, it, it happened. Um, okay, so first of all, let me just say, this book is always considerably better when Ethan Van Skyver is not drawing it. <laughs> let's start with yeah. that. Yep. But let's also say that how great would it be if instead of just doing the cover, Michael Janin did the uh, interiors for this issue too? Yeah. I want to see him on a Lantern book big time. So this whole issue is is told from the perspective of uh, – you know, um, somebody, uh, uh, a Zadarian who was there in the event of the last issue as a small child, but telling it like 60 years from now. And, it, you know, I'm always of two minds of these kinds of stories. On one hand, I think it's a really nice reminder of sort of what the... Uh, of what these stories can be, even in real life, right? They can be tales of inspiration, and they can be blah, 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 blah. But I also feel like this was sort of a waste of an issue. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's filler, you know, all the way. Other than that little kind of like what we alluded to earlier, that um, kind of like... Uh, preview those preview pages essentially of like stories we might may or may not be getting um yeah yeah let's jump right to those um those pages so we get three two-page spreads in a row on the first one we see tomar 2 in a yellow lantern ring a sinestro core uniform Oh, I thought that was... Isn't there already a Yellow Lantern? Oh, is there? Darian? I think so. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, they're, they're standing on a pile of skulls, not unlike how um, Parallax did one at one point. Then we have... Uh, I know I'm supposed to know that villain. The guy with the star? Yeah. Uh, Evil Star? Is that his name? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Hold on. The best name ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're yeah, right. Evil star. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's evil and he has a star. Yeah, for exactly. That's like, a, that's like a superhero that I drew in a notebook when I was like seven. Exactly, yeah. Uh, then we get like green flying. Those are Pokemon. Yeah, sure. I, was, I, was, I was trying to find a way to say uh, like essentially Pokemon characters. <laughs> and then we get... Um, Sort of old school giant robots. 
that aren't sentinels, I promise. They're like yeah. celestials almost. Yeah. They do look like celestials. They're very Kirby. They are yeah. very Kirby. I'll give you that. Yes. Then the Batman second very Kirby. <laughs> 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 yeah. Then the uh the second two-page spread is just all these green X-rings flying at us. That was interesting. Those are power ring rings. Like or three Oh. Power ring. So maybe we're getting a power ring core. Oh wow. That could be fun. Could be. And then we get essentially like another battle of the color spectrums, which we've seen four thousand times now. Yeah. Which yeah, was, like Was there anything interesting about that one? Like, Saint Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I believe he's the only blue lantern. He is, yeah. Yeah, this was interesting because, like, one of the things about, like, Jeff Jones's run, you know, leading up to Blackest Night, there was the whole, like, they kept teasing the War of Light, which, like, never actually really happened the way it was shown during Sinestro Corps War. Right. <laughs> I remember so... I remember the one thing was, like, uh, John Stewart, like, in, like, the cheesiest possible, like, army guys from the movie predator gear but it was like indigo colored right and didn't he didn't he use his ring as a scope to like snipe something it wasn't good that that was that was my least favorite part of the john's run are you talking about like the green lantern during the war of the green lanterns thing there was wasn't that, that wasn't it when during the war of light when they all took on different color lantern rings well so like that that was in the that was in like war of the green lanterns but then in sinestro core war there was that like big right there's the skyverse splash page of like right. all the different cores fighting each other yes which never really happened that way and so like this is pretty much like i guess not it's almost kind of like an homage to that yeah that like particular um, splash page so I wonder if like that's going to be a thing that he does but kind of like Vince said this is I mean like Spectrum stuff is that's, this is like a, a 10 year old concept at this point you know Yeah. the other thing that I would say is I don't know if I'd call it interesting or not you see in the, the foreground here there's a Sinestro Corps member who is like you see his his ring is is you know, facing towards somebody else and it's facing towards a green lantern ring. So it looks like that green lantern Sinestro core truce is going to be short lived. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like Al dying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till Hal dies again. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, who has died more? Hal or, uh, I'm trying to think of, of the Marvel equivalent of someone who dies all the time. Mm. Um, um, I feel like Tony Stark yeah, is always yeah. not Iron Man, but he doesn't die every time. Yeah. Anyway, eh. let's um let's move along here because uh, we're already well over the hour long point for this show. Uh, this is the Hellblazer number six. Uh, written by Simon Oliver, illustrated by Pia Guerra. I'm going to presume that Zach didn't read this issue. Uh, You presume correctly. (laughs) Okay. I did read it. 
and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's this thing is spinning its wheels, man. There is so little Constantine in this book, and so little Swamp Thing in this book, and like the <laughs> the way this book was sold was it was a Constantine book with Swamp Thing as like the major supporting character. And mm-hmm. all there is in this book is this Mercury character I don't give a shit about. And then there's the, um, like, those, what's the name of that that race of people, like the wizard people? Uh, the djinn. The djinn. And there's there's way too much stuff about djinn politics I just don't give a fuck about. And, yeah, this issue is dull and long, and I hate this book now. <laughs> you hate it now. Yeah, I've, I I I was really unhappy reading this issue. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it very much either. Just yeah, um, it's Constantine rides the train, and you don't spend any time with him. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um, the best thing about it was the cover. Yes, absolutely, really, really gorgeous cover, and Pio Guerra's art is um, really nice. But I, uh, you know, in a different book maybe. I mean this with all due respect to her. You would have gotten as much emotion out of the script art-wise if it was just stick figures. <laughs> like, there was nothing that she needed to do in that issue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's that's true. It's... Man, I had high hopes for this book, but... Um, me too. Nobody, nobody's made me care about, about new post-New 52 Constantine since maybe... Jeff Lemire, maybe. Yeah. Remember how weird it was that he came back at the end of Brightest Day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He came back and he was all like bullocks. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Rich Johnson uh, fainted when, <laughs> when he read bullocks. Oh, my stars. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Let's get to Suicide Squad number 10. Another yeah. Justice League for Suicide Squad epilogue written by Rob Williams and Cy Spurrier, illustrated by Giuseppe Cafaro. And um, on, on the list of things I don't care about, Amanda Waller's family is definitely, definitely very high on that list. And it's funny because Rutsum is high on that list for me, too. So <laughs> put the two of them together and I don't give a shit. You can't even pronounce his name right. I don't even know. What is it? Rustum. Rustum. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> but um, actually, actually, I was here for like a an issue of Rustum going and getting revenge. Yeah. That's not really what this was about. <laughs> no, really. not at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was... I don't know. As soon as I saw Amanda Waller's family... On the cover, I was like, "Oh God, we're gonna get way too much backstory on somebody who should be like." To me, Waller's one of those characters that should be just the cold-blooded pragmatist that she's always been. Don't try to manufacture like depth. I mean, I don't. I. I, I don't know. To don't me, know. if you were to give her, if you want to give her something. That makes her a little bit uh, deeper. Give her like a puppy or something. <laughs> make it cute and and make it inconsequential. Because you know that we're gonna see her kids pop up again now. Yeah. 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 I didn't really care for this issue very much. Yeah. Zach, did you, did you did you read it? 
Yeah, I did read it. Um, yeah, I was in for like a, a Rustum epilogue, just because that I do kind of like. I am semi interested. I guess I really liked the last issue of Suicide Squad. I should say, and so I liked how that kind of like established threads that went through Justice League versus Suicide Squad, and was kind of interested to see that carry through. But yeah, just like I, I don't. Amanda Waller's family life is not something I'm interested in. Also, um, the art in this was really good, but like man riley rosmo you know so yeah <laughs> um yeah i think i said this last week both this and the steve trevor searches for his niece and nephew issue of justice league <laughs> would, would, would have been so much better served to just skip that week let the, yeah. let the event be the event and not worry about even like i liked the last issue of suicide squad but that wasn't necessary either I don't think any of us would have been upset if we just got the crossover issues instead of those issues. No, yeah. yeah. So, all right, that brings us to Teen Titans number four, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Koi Pham. This is part four of the Robin knows, so the Damien knows best uh, storyline. This is okay. There's some nice stuff here, but I think overall the book feels a little hokey in places. Yeah. I think I like it more than you guys. It sounds like the art uh, is really good. I yeah, I love Koi Fam. Um, and I like some of the team interactions, and I like Damien. I always like Damien. Damien's the, great. The scene like... where he's like pumping himself up. Is <laughs> yep, that was favorite. great. <laughs> yep, that was awesome. I love when like. The, the best writers, I think, are the ones... Or the best writers of Damien, I would say, are the ones that can make fun of the fact that a... Well, I guess 13-year-old now, you know, is such a, like... Thinks of himself as such a serious, hardened badass, you know? They don't play it 100% straight. And uh, I like that Ben Percy does that. I like the team interaction a lot. Like, it... it it feels very youthful. I was surprised, like, when I heard Ben Percy was writing this, I was like, ooh, how's he going to, like, I don't know if he's going to nail the youthful feel as, as, you know, as well as another writer could, but I think he's done a pretty good job. You're right, there is hokey stuff. Like, there is still, like, a lot of characters explaining to one another what their personality traits are, yeah. you know. But... I feel like in a Teen Titans book, I can forgive that a little more than I can in like a book that's supposed to be filled with a bunch of adults, you know? That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I agree. Like, I I don't think it's like it's not hokey in a bad way. I think it's hokey in a in a kind of fitting way. I yeah, did. There, I did there not. There is like the acknowledgement sometimes that like not everything is written for Us. all audience. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I did not like the my my biggest problem with this issue is I didn't like the Rachel Ghoul characterization. Oh, eh. I, I I felt that I feel that Rachel Ghoul is at his best when he's very subdued and he's like like 
my problem with Rachel Ghoul here is my problem with Yoda in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> okay, I feel like what makes Yoda great is that he doesn't have to move very fast. You don't have to show him doing flippy shit to like get me to care about Yoda. And I feel like Rachel Ghoul is just chewing scenery through this whole like you know what do you consider yourself and like he like yeah. is just He's gargamel yeah exactly and there's no reason for that rachel ghoul shouldn't be that way so that's that was my big problem with this issue okay i can see that yeah but it's fine um i'm, I'm kind of surprised that that he's being used in this way anyway yeah i agree with that uh, that brings us to The Flash, number 15, uh, Rogues Reloaded, part two, written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Carmen A. D.G. and Domenico. And uh, we get a, a Mirror Master-centric issue, <laughs> which I'm always a fan of. I've been waiting all my life. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting how I'm sure that this and Detective Comics are not considered by the same teams at all. But it's interesting that both of them had scenes of people fighting multiples of a character in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did like the story. I thought it was a clever way to use Mirror Master's powers. Uh, Carmine's art is a lot of fun, as always. It really suggests movement. I, um, I'm, I'm a mark for the rogues, too. So. Yeah. Car- Carmine has to draw a lot of I mean, he's drawing some really cluttered scenes with a lot of action going on by, by necessity of the plot, and I think he does an amazing job with it. Like, that the scene of with Mirror Master and the Flash, like, speeding around, um, dealing with all these uh, duplicates and, and mirror versions, like, he's drawing a lot there. He, he's being asked to cram a lot in, and wow, he, he nails it. He never makes it confusing. Yeah, his panel work is really good. Like, um, I'm thinking in particular on the page with uh, Golden Glider, where they're kind of like jumping through mirrors. Yeah. And they're different panels, and they're like at different yeah. angles with each other. Yeah. And he's like crossing the borders, and like almost like there's almost like a that one on the left, the top left corner. There's like a three dimensional quality to it, where he's like. The he's panel is angled. Panel. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like he's coming out. It's like so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this book continues to impress. The, it, this is this is the Flash book. I, I don't think I've, like, as an active comics reader, I don't think I've read a Flash run this good. I've gone back and read some hell of a Flash story, but, you know, month to month, I don't think I've read a book. Uh, flash book this good i was i was buying the mark wade run you were so yeah that was a little bit before i'm old i get it yeah yeah. um (laughs) grandpa yeah but yeah it was um this is a great comic and uh, that brings us to our final book of the night wonder woman number 15 written by greg rucka illustrated by liam sharp the truth part one Let's just start by saying how good of a job Liam Sharp is doing here. Yeah. That that two-page spread, which has the title on it, where it's it's constructed kind of like Diana's head, where um, you kind of see like her um, all her memories kind of working together and bleeding into her, her skull 
is such a great panel. I mean, it's such a yeah. great uh, page, rather. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, and and when she's when they show her in the, um, I don't know what you call it, the solitary confinement almost. Room, yeah. yeah, just a room. Yeah. Yeah, just the 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 brick layout of the panels makes it everything seem really claustrophobic, and then all of a sudden it. You, like you get a bunch of claustrophobic panels and then there's a one page spread basically of her sitting in this isolated room that really opens everything up. And it was really interesting the way that those worked. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's cool that the page like following the, the title page has, you know, the title page has Diana looking to the right. And then the following page has um, her mother looking facing left. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, just yeah. like a really good mix of like, you, you, exactly right, kind of like claustrophobic panels and then very open panels, like very, like the the one in the cell, the one where they come upon the tree. Um. Yeah, this is Sharp is doing really great work here. Yeah, mm-hmm. the stuff with uh, with Diana. Um, talking to the snake that lives in her arm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just, yeah. I, yeah. This may be like, this is the first issue I think of wonder woman other than, you know, like some of the year one stuff was like very good, but like, this is maybe the first one that makes me kind of like stand up and take notice and say like, wow, this is, this is really very good mm-hmm. or very, very unique. I should say. Yeah, like this this has a tone to it too. Like the the later pages take on like a very like dark and urban and you know lots of browns and and neutral colors and kind of like leading up to the the reveal at the end. I just really liked the tone that that the team was building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like Liam Sharp's interpretation of Greg Rucka's scripts here. And I'm hoping yeah. that his tenure on the book is not going to end with the end of this arc. Yeah. I I'm, so for, for both of them, because I know Greg Rucka had said he was only originally contracted to do 24 issues. Mm-hmm. And we're more than halfway through that, which sounds crazy to say. But yeah. It's, yeah. it's true. Yeah, and if you think about it, like, I mean, we've got nine remaining issues of that and they're split between two different stories so yeah yep it's not a lot left it's not now is that that's ferdinand at the end right ferdinand the minotaur i don't know i believe so did you guys read uh, rucka's rucka's original wonder woman run yeah I haven't read all of it, only like it's only some of it, so Okay. Ferdinand's like a prominent character in that and he's like okay. a master he's like a master chef. He's a fun character. I, I kinda I kinda um uh sort of shouted a little bit when I saw him here. <laughs> <laughs> Pump my fist a little. Yeah, that's gotta be who that is then. Yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. This this is really good. Yeah, this is um I feel like it's 
I feel like somehow Rucka's Wonder Woman is going a little bit under the radar. <laughs> I think yeah. so too, and I think this like has the potential to kind of like it's it's a it's a bit of a longer game, but like this is some kind of like you know Green Lantern Rebirth stuff here. Mm-hmm. I get yeah, that's that a good tone, call. yeah. You know where it's kind of like everything's not the way you think it is. We're about to you know blow it open. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. And you know what? As much as I love the Azarello and Chang run, I'm not gonna you know compare the two, say which I prefer, but. Um, I will say that that this run is not making me miss that one the way that I thought it would. You no, know, I agree, and I think I was one of the like most reticent people when it came to that. You know, so I agree. I mean, we also had the shit sorbet of the Finch run <laughs> well, yeah. in between the two. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, you purged that from your you you, you Eternal Sunshine that I uh, I themiscuraed it. Ooh. It never had, you know, after we left that original run. It's been all lies. I've never been back. (laughs) Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, As we mentioned the last few weeks, we are doing a little contest. If you review the show on iTunes and send a screen grab either to Brian at MultiversityComics.com or to either of our Twitters, any of our three Twitters, we will catalog it and you can win some hardcover DC comics from the three of us. So please do that and follow the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And I'm at SirFox89. And we'll see you guys next week. Enjoy. Enjoy.